2: Welcome back to Fight Like a Girl. I'm Rav and holy shit, guess who I've got with me today? I'm back. <laughs> Fucking finally.
0: <laughs> I know it feels like it, right?
2: How was your trip? What was it like traveling post-pandemic? Tell me everything. Um,
0: Okay, so the trip was great. I had a great time. Um, it was probably the first time in my adult life where I was, I guess, in what our industry could be considered as like between jobs. So it was the first time I've like never had to worry about work and be on holidays. But um, yeah, much, much tequila was consumed. I think there was a night where my friend and I had like seven bottles of rosé on the rooftop of our hotel in New York, just between the oh two of God. us. Oh my God. I know, I know. um, Which is says a lot about my trust for the American healthcare system, so <laughs> if anything went wrong, um, but it was great. It was really great to, um, I guess, basically escape Melbourne winter as well. I think from what I've heard, I've uh, dodged the most of it. Yeah, it was an interesting time. I think um, my first holiday post-pandemic, um, as someone who traveled a lot beforehand, like I was overseas every three to four months beforehand, it was... Um, It was a big learning curve from things like, you know,
2: packed airports. Like I've never seen airports like that in my life. So you you flew into LAX, right? No, I flew straight into JFK. Okay. Cause I've, I've only ever been to JFK once. I can't remember how it compares to LAX, but I feel like LAX has always been a shit show.
0: Yeah. LAX was an absolute shit show on the way home. Um, JFK was kind of okay, um, on the way there, but then, um, like Cancun, the airport in Cancun getting out of Mexico was absolutely fucked. And then like just traveling in America, like they changed the vaccination rules just before we got there which was um i mean fine you do, oh no it wasn't the vaccination rules sorry they changed the testing rules just before we left so we didn't have to get tests before we went which was a dream because i have been like avoiding mm-hmm. covid like the plague which is funny because <laughs> it is a plague see <laughs> oh god don't all don't all line up for sponsorships will uh <laughs> we'll, it's a slow burn guys um and then So, but you had to like fill out all these forms and like attestation forms. So to attest that you hadn't had COVID in the last couple of weeks, or you had to have all your vaccination certificate. No one checked a fucking thing.
2: Mm, I keep hearing that, keep hearing about people doing a bunch of paperwork and no one really checks anything, but then, then, you, just, then you just think, am I going to be that person that risks it, doesn't do it? And then that just happens to be the day that they check.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the day that they decide that they want to know if you're vaccinated or not. No, was, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. I think um, as someone who is very organized and is quite a together traveler, I found it to be a really unsettling experience because I was just like... Oh my God, all these lines. Like I'm so used to just having like a breezy, easy routine, but yeah, it was a different experience and I've got to do it all again next week.
2: Oh, that's right. That's right. Cause you're going to Singapore next week. Um, also random your, what happened to your light? Your screen's just gone dark. That was my other monitor. Oh, right. I was going to say, I can't, I can barely see your face anymore. <laughs> Yeah. I thought, I, know. Your, I thought your laptop turned off and I was like, how are we still recording? <laughs> what the no. fuck is this? What what is this witchcraft? That's going on? I
0: actually just wiggled my nose and um you uh, call me Sabrina. Oh no, that's Samantha. That's Samantha from Bewitched. Yeah.
2: I thought that was uh Jeannie or whatever her name is.
0: No, it's uh it's Bewitched. It's Samantha from Bewitched. Oh, I
2: think I think okay.
0: Jeannie, I think Jeannie does it too. Maybe. Yeah, okay. Definitely not Sabrina, Sabrina just points.
2: Mm, a she's a she's a cool witch
0: question out of all the witch shows from the 90s so charmed sabrina mm-hmm. i mean they're basically it am i missing some i don't want to talk about movies i want to talk about witches because i don't want to get into a hocus pocus versus a craft chat but were you a charmed girl or were you a sabrina girl sabrina fuck yeah me too i was too yeah. young I was too young for charmed
2: i was gonna say i don't think i was allowed to watch charmed
0: yeah <laughs> I was allowed to watch Dawson's Creek. That was, that was my one
2: that I was allowed to have. I wasn't allowed to watch anything. I used to sneak upstairs to my uncle's room and like watch whatever I wasn't allowed to watch, but it was never fun because one ear would always be to the door Yeah. because I'd be like, am I about to get busted or not? So I never really <laughs> enjoyed anything that I was watching that I shouldn't have been watching. So oh, funny. But anyway, we got, we just went off on a total fucking tangent. Like we always do. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Other than the airports and stuff being crowded, was there any other sort of downsides of travelling post-pandemic? Because I'm about to go overseas soon, so I'd love to sort of prepare myself for what's to come.
0: <laughs> I um, I think for me the biggest part that was like really eye-opening was how much I actually really missed being at home. Okay. As someone who was also, you know, they call it the world's longest lockdown but I'm sure other cities have had longer ones by now who was impacted by the world's longest lockdown was locked in my 5k zone couldn't go see my family for two years desperately craved that I missed home so much and it really affected my mental health and I think there's a lot of things that sort of play into that the fact that America is um it's a a, Different place than it was last time I was there. Like, there's a lot going on there politically. Um, we've mm. touched up, we've touched on it in previous episodes, and you know, inflation, unemployment. Like, it's just a very different place than it was. And coupled with that, knowing how good home is, and having spent so long in my home in the last two years, I was just like, oh, I kind of miss that a little bit. Even though my home doesn't have a beach, unlimited margaritas, unlimited ceviche. definitely doesn't have, like, you know, the Empire State Building. But, yeah, I just, I really missed, I missed being at home and the overwhelmingness, not a word, but we're going to use it, of travel really fucked with my head.
2: So just hearing you talk about that, like normally throughout the day, if we're running into things, whether it's work or if it's some fuck boy that we're texting, if something goes wrong, you and I are typically on the phone to each other, like fire a voice note or we're texting or something. And I'm sure you've got relationships like that with some of your other friends as well. Mm. Did you, did you find that that was something that you could still sort of turn to, to help with your mental health while you were away?
0: Uh, not really. So the girl that I, um, you know we're in a city with a 14 different time to 14 hour different time zone and the best it got was 13 hours when I went to Mexico and Chicago which is in the same time zone and the girlfriend that I traveled with is very very close with me like we are quite close as well and I would speak to her about some of this as well like where I was like oh gosh you know you just sort of like you know you walk down the street in New York and you're just sort of taken aback by how intense that Firstly, it's New York. Of course, it's fucking intense. But, like,
2: Mm.
0: just, you know, you just never really take being in Australia for granted, basically. But I think, yeah, like, not being in the same time zone and not having, having, I guess, yeah, my emotional or my friendship crutch that I am used to, like, bouncing things off every day, I think was Mm. like, oh, wow, like, this is this is a lot. And I think the one thing I really crave just being around my people, like, and I am someone who's like quite extroverted. And like I've said before, I have traveled a lot and I'm used to being out of my comfort zone, but that was, you know, for the first time after having spent so long in my home was, yeah, it like hit me like a ton of bricks.
2: That's so interesting. And I think that's probably, you know, I guess a good sort of setup for what we're going to talk about in today's episode, which is, kind of the ups and downs of, I guess, friendship or the complexities Mm. of different friendships because I think similar to you, I I haven't travelled in a while overseas. I think it's coming up to nearly three years now since I've been on an overseas holiday or trip or anything. And since then, after being in lockdown and being on your own, my relationship with my friends has changed a lot. I think Mm. I've gone from maybe not being as dependent or reliant on my friends to probably needing them a little bit more now because there was a point where that was the only way that you would connected to anything outside of your house, right? Mm-hmm. And I think because we're so used to that, I, as somebody on the other side of the fence, like as much as I know that you were having a great time on holidays, I really struggled with that aspect as well. Like it went from, you know, like constant communication, you and I talk multiple times a day throughout the day to, you know, there would be days where we just wouldn't hear from each other. Mm. Yeah. Like I think it's really interesting to talk about how, as we grow up, especially as women, because I think male friendships are very different to female friendships. I agree. Just yeah. talking about the different sort of complexities in that dynamic. So I guess to start with, why don't you tell me a little bit about, cause you and I actually haven't really spoken much about this, but tell me about your sort of inner circle? How long have you known them for? How'd you guys meet? All of that. So
0: I have been in Melbourne for 16 years and I moved here for uni and I just never left. So my inner circle is, it's probably quite big for, um, for someone, I guess it's, it's big because I don't have any family in Melbourne. So my friends have to be my family. So I've got friends that I met at uni that I'm still close with. I've got friends that I met at my first job out of uni, who I'm still really, really close with. And then I've got friends that I have had since Queensland that have moved down here. I would say it's about 10 people that I sort of have in that group. Um, and that's specifically my Melbourne friends. That doesn't um, include you because you know you're in the inner circle. So that goes without saying. <laughs> but um, but I also really recognize I'm quite fortunate because I've lived in Melbourne for a long time. Mm. but. Um, I guess it's probably a good throwback to you, Rav, because I know like you've not been in Sydney nearly as long as I've been in Melbourne and you sort of, I guess, missed that opportunity to like build up that network of uni friends and then meet people via them. So your friendship group I guess is a little bit newer than mine. Am I right in saying that?
2: Yeah, I would say so. And I think for me as well, I think those sort of foundational years of when you've gone to school or wherever you've gone to uni, I kind of missed out on really sort of establishing solid friendships through those phases of my life. Because Mm -hmm. when I was in sort of primary school going into early high school I was in a really really small town it wasn't Townsville it was like a little bit further north than there and to be honest like I don't really feel like I had very many close friends growing up during school because it was a small country town and people are racist like it was just really hard to make friends yeah um and then when we moved to Townsville it was like for my last two senior years of school and like people kind of already have really established friendships by then when you get to like year 11 and 12 because they've kind of gone through the first few years of high school together. So while that experience was much better than the prior years of schooling, like I was at an all girls school and surprisingly it was actually a pretty fun time. Like I got along with everybody there. I still didn't build those friendships that you would think you would carry into like uni and stuff. And Mm. then I was a bit of a late bloomer when it came to uni. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do for a few years after I finished. So by the time I did go to uni, I went to uni on the Gold Coast and I was a few years older than everybody. So, you know, I wasn't necessarily a mature age student, but... (laughs) Yeah. I was, I was a little older, so it was, you know, and there were a lot of guys cause I did a lot of sort of financy subjects. So, um, as much as I love men, I'm still a girl's girl <laughs> when it, when it comes to friendships, like I gravitate more towards women than men when it comes to friendships and that sort of thing. So I, yeah, I really, I think I struggled for a bit there. And then when I moved to Sydney, I met my ex quite quickly and it kind of felt a bit like I inherited a lot of his friends. So if I'm being honest, I feel like it's only been the last three years that I've been single where I've really had the opportunity to sort of build out my inner circle and those foundational friendships that I feel like will literally be friendships for life it's crazy to think that cause I literally just turned 33 that it got took until I was in literally 30 before I started to build those friendships. But a lot of, a lot of them came from the gym because when I, mm. my ex and I split up, I kind of threw myself into um, the gym to distract myself and I would say 90% of my inner circle is through the gym. So when people are like, oh, how do we meet people as adults? It sounds so cliche, but you literally have to go to places that you would want to spend your time. Yeah. And you'll find like minded people. The one thing that I have noticed though, and I don't know if it's a COVID thing or it's us sort of getting older, but I do feel like as we get older, like there's certain things that put strains on those sort of friendships and relationships. Mm. So I'm gonna throw back to you, given that you've probably had more experience in this, given your friendships have you know kind of been over a longer period of time than mine have. What do you think puts the biggest strain on on some of your closest friendships?
0: It's an interesting question because I um, quite like my friendships to be fluid, and like I do believe in like not the powers that be, but like. You know, people come into your life at the right time and they serve a purpose and Mm. they stay for the length of time that they should. And if that's, you know, 50 years, it's 50 years. If it's two years, it's two years kind of thing. But there does come a point where you have those friendships that you're like, no, I don't want to let them go. Like they are my person and I need to work hard to keep that person. But generally speaking like if it if something was to put strain on a friendship for me it would be firstly being time poor like conflicting schedules one of my best friends um was Kieran and Kieran's been on the podcast previously and Kieran is a flight attendant as we all know I've not seen him since I've been back I haven't seen him in two months because he's in Perth or he's in Perth or he's over you know he's doing bloody Europe trips or he's you know in Southeast Asia or something not because he's like jet setting for fun he's that's literally his job he's, he's working and he's just moved he's moved a little bit further out of the city down with his lover um in in Broughton <laughs> um yes he's moved to the beach he's really moving up in the world um I know you're going to listen to this babe and I just want you to know that I love taking the piss out of you so <laughs> but I also love you dearly please don't text me that you hate me um so it's conflicting schedules and it's conflicting schedules like that and you have to be really patient to deal with that he has a very different life to most and Mm. it's not conventional and you can't fit in conventionally so you have to make concessions for that and that's so fine and I'm so happy like to be that person, because I respect the friendship so much and I value it and you want to support him. So you just sort of go, okay, that's fine. Um, But that's probably a really good segue into the next point that I had, which is career. So, I mean, I think for myself at the moment, when I think about myself being a friend, like I've just started a new job, everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I work in sales. First couple months, first six months of a new sales job can be quite punishing. So that has been a big like focus for me at the moment. And it generally is for most people when they start new jobs, you know, they've got that probation period where they're throwing themselves into it and, you know, they just drift away in terms of their career as well. And also career changes. Like I've I've met a lot of my close friends through work, yourself included, and careers change and priorities change and sometimes people drift.
2: Yeah, and to your point as well about you know, going into a new role and how demanding that can be of your time. I also think one thing that doesn't help is that sort of hustle culture as well, where it's almost like if you're switching off at any point, you almost feel guilty for it. So even if you did have a bit of spare time, you probably would find yourself like, I remember, I can't remember if it was you or someone, but no, I'm pretty sure it was you that was talking when you and I worked at the same place together. I remember you talking about fucking prospecting or like getting your prospecting list together in the evening with a glass of wine. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Like I'm not, doing that in my own time when I should be watching Netflix. Absolutely not. I, I still do that. Ah, <laughs> oh, laddie. <laughs> that.
0: It's just my, like it's my brain dead time, so I can just be like, oh, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. It's just like my planning time. And it helps me, it soothes me so I don't go to bed and
2: have a panic attack. Oh, God. Um, wow. yeah.
0: Does anybody want a career in sales? Just ask us. We'll sell
2: it to you. <laughs> we're doing a great job. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I completely derailed oh. what you were saying. So you said careers. So, yeah. Yeah. Comple- different careers and demanding careers and all of that. I I would agree with that completely. Yeah,
0: but then I think like you know we're of that age where people are getting married and having kids.
2: Mm.
0: So and pe- and that's a priority for some people, and it's not my current priority, but it might be. It might. Like who the fuck knows who who am I going to meet on Bumble this week? No one fucking knows, but it might be <laughs> who's at the top of the funnel of the sales
2: pipeline. Um, but it's, I love how many times we've plugged past episodes in this episode. It's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if somebody stumbles across this episode as the first one, they'll be like, "Oh my god, there's some great content in the previous ones." Anyway. Come to us for more sales tips later this is just a sales podcast now um (laughs) just going straight down the pain funnel um but I think you know I think it takes a lot to be mindful of people's um you know parenting choices or you know Mm. the fact that they have become parents and I was talking to a close friend of mine today and she was talking about how another friend of hers has completely like hasn't managed their expectations of my friend who's just become a parent and is it still expecting to spend that much time with my parent friend, essentially. And is like, you know, you don't have much time for me now that you're a parent.
2: And it's like, yeah, no fucking shit. On on the part of the person who's got this expectation, regardless of whether your friend who's just had a child actually went out of their way to set this expectation, it's like, have you never been around a newborn before? How yeah. do you not know that you that person really shouldn't need to say anything? It's just expected that once somebody has a child, their life drastically changes. Yeah.
0: And that having that child, that child's literally attached to them at all times. Literally. Like actually on. Attached to the tip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Literally like latched on. Latched. Um, That's the word. Latched. latched, You can tell none of us have had kids. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We have tits though, so. I just, I love that you glanced down at your tits when you said that thing. <laughs> like, are they still
0: there? Are they still as good as they did five minutes ago? I just want to make sure. Um, I think those are the key things that I find put a strain on like friendships. But I'm going to pass the mic figuratively. It's actually sat right in front of your face. Back to you. <laughs> um, what is it for you that you think puts like the biggest strain on your friendships?
2: I think I would agree with literally everything that you've said, I would say those same things as well. I think though, for me, and this kind of ties into what we were going to talk about next. I think for me, probably the thing that puts strain on friendships is more my expectations of friendships. I Mm. think, I think I constantly have to recalibrate my expectations with my friends and That's more because I recognize and I think this has taken a lot of therapy and just a lot of self-reflection to get to Mm. this point. But I think I recognize that sometimes my expectations of people really sort of closely aligns with how much I give to relationships, whether that's a romantic relationship or a friendship. I not to toot my own horn, but I give a lot. Yeah, I agree. Oftentimes expect that same level back. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but then you need to learn to not take it personally. If people aren't meeting that expectation and they're still showing up for the friendship and they're still treating you respectfully. You can tell that there's a lot of love there just because they're not showing it to you in the way that you show it it doesn't necessarily mm. mean that you know they don't appreciate the friendship as much as you do and then I I think with the career and stuff I don't think I've run into too many friendships where there's been too many sort of conflicts or I've noticed that you know we're not able to come to the table the same amount because of a career thing for me it's it seems to be more related to kids like yeah. I have now got some friends, like some of my closest friends are having kids, and I love them and I love their kids so much. But when I found out that, you know, like I think for a lot of them, when they tell me that they're pregnant, my instant reaction isn't just to jump up with joy because. I feel sad. I feel sad that I know I'm not like this person you were talking about before where I need it like fucking, you know, carved out on a stone for me. Mm. I know that they're going to, like their priorities are going to change and that their time is probably 90% going to be focused on this child and their family dynamic now. It's really, really hard when you do have really close friends and you're not sort of at the same maybe like life stages as them. That can sometimes put a strain on the relationships and, I have no fucking time for people who just can't do anything without their partners. I'm not friends with people like that. So I can't relate to that. Like if if I start to notice that somebody's like just up their partner's ass all the time and have no independence, I'm sorry, but like, you can, nah, like I can't, I I tap out of that friendship real quick.
0: Similarly, one of, one of my darling friends who I know listens to this podcast, she uh, tells me she does, has just had her second bubba and before she had kids, we would fucking send it on a weeknight. Like I remember (laughs) she's I've got this like text save from her that was like, oh my God, we just drank three bottles of wine. And she sent the text at like 7am and I was like, oh my God. And I guess this sort of encapsulates everything that you just said about like losing your friend and then having someone who's like so dependent on their partner. And, you know, part of you, when you first find out your friend's pregnant, you're just like, oh, I'm going to miss like partying. And like, when are we going to be able to like have a wine together again? And what's it going to be like? And this friend of mine um, has just struck this brilliant balance. Like she... Firstly, she said to me, <laughs> "Which is like 700 months pregnant, she's like, fuck, I just want to wine. <laughs> God, I want to wine. And I was like, yeah. I can imagine while her husband and I are getting shit-faced in front of her. We're like, oh, sorry, sorry, doll. Um, and she is so independent from her husband and they have like this beautiful dynamic where, you know, he'll be at home with the kids and she'll be off with me in the city getting dumplings and drinking $7 rosé. I think part of that also comes down to, you know, not having, like I have a friendship with her partner as well. Like, Mm. you know, we've all been friends for like nearly 15 years. It's weird if you don't have a friendship with the partner and they're so far up their partner's ass and they don't do anything without them that you're like, I don't get to have any alone time, but also it's just not healthy.
2: No, I, and look, we, I reckon we could do a whole episode on just codependency and relationships, but I think when it comes to children, I don't feel the same way when there's a lot of sort of leaning on each other when they've just had kids or, you know, they've got a young Mm. family or whatever because I understand that that takes a village, right? You, You need to be really sort of aligned and doing a lot of things together and... Whatnot, but I'm talking. You know, when somebody's just fresh into a new relationship, I'm telling you now. I'm giving you permission in front of every single person who's listening. If I ever do that when I get into a relationship, you need to like throttle me because I'm. I just that annoys me so much because it's like you know. Yes, it's exciting. Yes, it's fun. Yes, yes, it's new. But as someone who's literally had the rug pulled out from underneath me, when that Mm. shit crumbles, the only people who are going to be left standing is your actual like friendship circle and your family. Agree. So. Do not burn those bridges for someone new and for existing relationships. I get it. It can be really easy to fall into like a habit of being very codependent, especially if you live together, you know, people, I've got two really, you know, close friends who are a couple and I envy their relationship and how independent they are like from each other. Like that, you Mm. can tell how much they love each other. They've been together for like a decade, but they're two very independent people, two very, like they have very different interests and they const- I constantly see them separately as well. Like even though I'm friends with them both, I don't necessarily always see them together. Like I see them separately all the time and it's so refreshing to have that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. Um, firstly, thanks for the permission. I'm holding you to it. I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be like episode, I don't know what number this is, but uh, your honor, <laughs> that's the evidence. <laughs> Take me
2: out of the handcuffs. Let me free. Um, speaking of handcuffs, I don't know why this, this <laughs> made me think of handcuffs. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, not in a not in a nice handcuffy way. Oh. People are probably like, what's that? You're like, um, what's, what's a nice one? handcuffy way? We're like, that is We'll t- talk about that another time. <laughs> That's, that is subscriber only content. <laughs> <laughs> uh Link in bio. Yeah. Um, all right, so <laughs> <laughs> so we we spoke a lot about what puts strain on friendships and I think we spoke about that from maybe more of a perspective of how other people are with us but mm-hmm. in terms of sort of that self-reflection piece tell me what you think is the most challenging thing about being your friend
0: I think there there are a few things I can spread myself really thin I am someone who is obviously quite strong-natured and um you know, the next point to this is that I was going to say I'm quite stoic. So I'm not Mm. an overly, I'm not an overly emotional person, but I'm quite an emotive person. So what will end up happening is, you know, I remember like all my grandparents died last year and I don't think I cried, but I was still there for all my other friends who had shit going on. I always put my needs second, which means that I can be spread very, very thin. And it means that I can be on the verge of like burnout. The way I recharge for someone who was very extroverted, the way I recharge is to be alone and to be quiet in my own house and just like not leave. So I can oftentimes like go off the radar and not communicate that. And um, yeah, my brother I think refers to me as like the Fort Knox or the Alcatraz as the family because like he's like people just won't hear from you for like days. You're just like an island that like no one can mm. access. And I think that as a friend that can be quite frustrating when I am so overly communicative naturally, I guess, you know, that's a long winded way of saying, I'm not very good at articulating my needs and my current mental state.
2: And I know we'll touch on this a little bit later, but like, I would really be interested in sort of unpacking a little bit, how you, I guess, pull yourself up on being better at that communication piece and communicating like where you're at. But I think for me, the most challenging thing about, sorry, did I say think? I fucking hate it when people say that. The oh, no, challenging- I love it. No, you are
0: not editing that out. We, the no, people, the, they're not editing no, that out. Fuck the, that. The people need to know that you're from Queensland. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so, oh, well, did, did you say something? Oh,
2: don't. I hate it. I know. Me
0: too. I remember oh. when I was like five and I came home from school and I said that once and mum was like, no child of mine will ever ever put a K at the end of an ing word.
2: It's, it infuriates me like no other. I can't believe that just, I'm, I don't even do it normally. I don't know how that happened, but anyway. I know you've never done it before
0: and English is your second language.
2: So I think for me, it's probably that I, I think I've got a really short fuse. That's probably the worst thing for me because I get, you look at me like. <laughs> <"Do-?"> <laughs> I actually just like put
0: my head back and looked at the ceiling.
2: So I was like, oh. (laughs) I knew what you were thinking. Fuck you. (laughs) She's
0: that short fuse.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I've got a very short fuse and I think I jump to conclusions a lot. Man, I'm really sort of just uh, selling myself out here. But, yeah, I jump to conclusions (laughs) a lot. I don't necessarily communicate that to people. I just know I do it in my head a lot. And then that can sort of impact how I am towards people then. So yeah. it's like, I'm conscious that I don't need to say something about it. Cause I recognize that it's probably just all in my head, but it does change my behavior towards someone for a little bit until I'm kind of over it. And yeah. I think that can be challenging for people because I would like to think that you and I are friends with very sort of intelligent people and people pick up on vibe changes. So I think that is something that I definitely need to be better at, but, um, I want to flick back to what we were talking about before with you where you were sort of saying that you struggle to sort of let people know where you're at that probably ties pretty nicely into sort of checking in with friendships Mm -hmm. and where friends are at and stuff so how often do you find yourself it's because it sounds like you're quite aware of the fact that like that is something that you struggle with a little bit yeah how often do you check in with your friends to sort of see where they're at or communicate to them where you're at and like, do you think it's important to have that in friendships? Firstly,
0: I think where I struggle with communicating where I'm at is like, it's like classic first daughter syndrome. Like, you just taught to be like, to just have it all piled on you. Just deal with it. Yeah, just deal with it. So, and I think that I guess, you know, if we're to um, use this as a therapy session and really unpack it all, that's probably why I sort of like, I guess I struggle to like let people know where I'm at. Cause I'm just like, no, nah, you just got to deal with it. It's just part yeah. of life. Like, just let it go. But, I try. I mean, I'm quite lucky because I've had like some of my closest friendships I've had for 25 years and we can read each other really, really well. And Mm -hmm. like, I know that regardless even though like you talk about, you know, jumping to conclusions and things like that, like I could sit there and let it manifest and manifest. But I know in my heart of hearts, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't upset these people like about and heard from them for a little while. They've just got their own shit going on and they'll come out of the hole eventually. I think um, with newer friendships, I definitely could be better at it, especially if we're still sort of like, you know, in that honeymoon phase of trying to figure out our communication style what our expectations are all of that sort of stuff to that point like sometimes I can get down a rabbit hole with my career I've got you know other friends that I could be spread really thin with like needing those and things going on with my family and I can just go off radar or my mm. communication style just changes completely and that freaks people the fuck out they're just like what and I try so hard to manage expectations but There have been instances with you you yourself, Rav, where you're just like, what the fuck's going on with you? And that's when you realise, oh shit, I haven't communicated this. And I think it's good to have like a level of, and we'll talk about this, like, you know, this is a natural evolution of this conversation, which is where has that gone wrong? Or where have you just been like, okay, there's no salvaging this friendship or I haven't set those expectations or I haven't communicated my needs, wants and requirements. But yeah, I think that I try... I, and I could always do better because sometimes I don't think I'm trying enough and it's hard when you ask but really thin to have the emotional capacity to, mm. to be to remember that you've got to do it but I think in the case that you and I are talking about I think it's really good to be to have a friend who can call you up on it you can have a fucking rational conversation and be like, I'm so sorry. I've just been, I've just got this, this, and this on, and I haven't communicated it effectively.
2: Yeah, that's actually like a really good segue into. Uh, God, if I had a dollar for every time I say segue on this fucking podcast. Okay,
0: but so okay, just imagine Utopia and
2: get sponsored <laughs> by Segway. What the fuck is that? Well, you don't know what a Segway is, like the thing you ride on. Yeah. Oh, God, I thought, I, I don't know, I did, for some reason didn't think that you would be into that. That's why I was like, she can't be talking about the same it. segue I'm thinking of.
0: I'm not into it, but I'm into free shit. <laughs> I mean, we're more into free, free sex toys than we are into segues. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God, I'm dying. Oh, but okay. also, also, yeah. Um, you can have the Segway cause I don't know how to drive. So you're like, Oh my God, to. they're so fun. I will
2: take it. I will take it. <laughs> they're really fun. But anyway, aside from our Segway sponsorship that we're seeking, uh, <laughs> what, you know, what are your sort of red flags with friendships? Cause I know on this podcast, we love talking about red flags and green flags in the context of dating, but I think it's important to recognize that that sort of, there should be sort of um, points in friendships Or just any relationship that you have really where you should be able to recognize that something isn't quite right. From a friendship sense, would you say are some sort of red flags and green flags that you look for? So some red
0: flags for me when it comes to friendships are um, things like wanting to spend all of their spare time with you. So Mm. I am happily single until I find the right person, obviously. I like to be quite protective of my time. Yeah. And I've had friendships where they want to do something with you every two to three days. And their friendship group might nece- might not necessarily be as big as what mine is. And I just don't have the capacity for that. I've been single for quite some time and I've always been a very independent person. So I don't need to go for a walk with someone every day. I don't need to have a coffee with someone. Like I quite like my solitude and I quite like being alone. And I get really overwhelmed when people, when I've got friends that are like, let's do this. Oh, let's, I'm just, I'm just around the corner. I'm going to pop in for a coffee. Like that, that's probably a bad example. Or let's do this today. Let's do that. Oh my God, what are you doing mm. today? Oh, can I come? And I'm just like, oh, no. No, like it gets really overwhelming. People that, and I guess it kind of comes down to like people expecting your time. Mm. And that for me is like a big red flag. And especially if it's for like menial things as well. The other big thing for me is someone who expects their validation to come from you and your friendship with them. I've had, you know, instances in friendships where it's just like constant seeking validation. And, you know, I know that we all have our insecurities and I'm not saying, like, I'm not sat here to sound like a fucking
2: bitch, but, you know. There needs to be some self-awareness. There needs to be self-awareness. some self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And some, you know, understanding that, you know, that va- like validation should be coming from within you.
2: Totally. When you were saying that, that's what I was thinking of. It's like, if it's not, if it's not you, that's the kind of person that's going to seek out a partner for that as well. And then.
0: And that's toxic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I
0: think, you know, like, of course you want your friends to like tell you that you're hot and you look great and you know, that dress looks banging on you and oh my God, you look fucking smashing and things like that. But Mm. it's seeking that, which kind of is a bit of a red flag for me. I actually have written a list because I've got very specific things and there's specific things I've had falling outs about before as well, or things that have like culminated in a falling out smothering. Obviously you and I work jobs with a lot of flexibility in them to the point where, you know, we can be on our phones a lot you, rather than like a carpenter or, you know,
2: yeah, yeah, someone who,
0: yeah. like a hairdresser or someone who doesn't have access to their phone constantly. And I have had friendships where I will be, I will, you know, let them know that I'm going into like a 2-hour meeting or something like that. And I have opened up my phone afterwards and I have had 60 text messages and they've had a full-blown crisis in those text messages, gone Jesus. off at me, gone off at me for not being available for them and then come to their own conclusion about that crisis. And I'm just like again, you need to have a rational brain where you can fucking talk yourself off this ledge. Like, and it was about a boy that she'd never met
2: Oh god. off a
0: dating app. Shit like that. Like, it's almost like it's smothering, but it's almost like, know your crisis.
2: It's coming from a very entitled position when you're, when you ask things like that of a friendship, whether it's time in the form of like being responsive to texts or time expecting them to be physically available for you for whatever reason. Yeah, like,
0: exactly. Yeah. 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 I really struggle with people feeling entitled to my time I guess is to put that into a nutshell and I mean it makes me feel like shit if I can't deliver it makes Mm. me go fuck but then there are some minutes where you're like no this is toxic this is not normal this is not what a friendship is meant to be like and this is very one-sided because I think I remember you said to me the other day you were like in the two years I've known you You have never once asked me to sense, check a message that you're sending to a boy. Well, you must really like this guy about some some guy or something like that.
2: Yeah, I do remember that.
0: Yeah. And like this other person who I'm now no longer friends with, it was relentless. But I think the biggest red flag for me, and I've had this happen in a few friendships. And I know that as soon as this starts happening in a friendship, that it's going to go down the gurgler is... Telling me who I am, and I think this happens with. Um, I know I said this earlier in um, Lottie's narcissist chat. I am obviously like quite confident and outgoing, and yeah, doing okay with my career. Like I look like I have my shit together on paper, and that attracts a certain kind of person. And it's usually a confident and outgoing woman. Mm-hmm. And I have had this happen, and I don't know. It's like a phenomenon. I don't really know why because it's happened to other women that I know as well, they'll make these friendships with people. It's usually through work or, you know, friends of friends. And then that person starts telling them who they are and who I should be spending my time with. And my other friends are toxic and things like that. And it's like this isolation technique that they don't know that they're doing. And I've had this happen in one instance in particular where it was like, you know, but Lottie you're this kind of person and you're that kind of person and you like these things and then your other friends they don't like those sorts of things and why are you spending time with them and they're toxic and you know they like to do things that you don't like to do and blah 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 Mm. I'm talking really abstractly here but I find that really red flaggy for me too it's just like I don't need to be told who I am I know who I am And they're usually friendships that like come on like really fast. And yeah,
2: well, it it goes back to the classic case of even it it doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is when people fall too hard, too quick. It's never a good sign.
0: Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you on that one. And we've talked about that about boys recently where you're like, yeah, some fucking space to breathe and figure this out. Like, honestly, and I think with friendships, it's easy to get swept up on it because like that's fun. Like there's no expectation of like, oh, you know, the sex is going to wear off. And I'm going to have to meet the parents and shit like that. You're like, yeah, this is fun. We go to the pub again, shit based and pashing boys. We shouldn't, but what are some red flags for you though? I'd really like to know. Cause I feel like this has been very one-sided from me. So talk
2: to me. <laughs> well, I think you and I are such similar people that we do have a lot of crossover with the things that we do and don't accept. And so, yeah, I think, you know, you've covered off on a lot of them. I think for me, I I probably struggle a little bit with boundaries, like in drawing boundaries when people do get a little bit smothering with the things that they um, you know, texting me about or I guess how demanding of my time they might be. I probably need to get better at, at that. So I'm probably the red flag in that sense, to be honest. But in terms of <laughs> red flags that I kind of draw the line at with friendships, I think Communication is a big one for me. Like I know Mm -hmm. that could be a green flag as well, but communication can also be a deal breaker. Like I really struggle with friendships where it's really inconsistent communication, like to the point that you made about like, you know, people falling too hard, too quick. Like I've had friendships in the past where it feels like when we first started getting to know each other, there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of effort that's going into, you know, texting back and forth or whatever it may be or organizing to hang out. And then, you know, it kind of turns a little bit to that only happening when that person needs something from you or when you're going through a crisis. And to me, the most meaningful friendships that I have is usually us just checking in on each other every single day for no real fucking reason. And I really struggle with that. Like a friendship that just is, for convenience cuz sometimes that's what it starts to feel like. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's, that's a- cuz it's convenient for them, right? Like I I wouldn't put myself in that pocket cuz I think people who have friendships with me, I they know that they're like in my inner circle and then the other people who I would say I would still call friends or maybe acquaintances, we don't have that relationship where they would have those sorts of conversations with me anyway. So if they're having conversations like that with me, where it feels like they're either coming to me for help or they're coming to me with a problem, if that's all you're doing and that's the only time that you ever have any real energy to put into a situation, I'm going to start distancing myself from that friendship because I've sort of adopted a view Recently, where whether it's a relationship romantically or a friendship or anything in life, really, I look at it from a lens of what value is this adding to my life? And if that friendship is just draining me of energy and time and they're not giving me the same back, then it's going into the, this isn't adding any value to me bucket. And that's one thing that I'm trying to be really good at, like just closing a chapter when it needs to be closed in every aspect of my life. Um, but other than the red flags that you mentioned, that's probably it. But I want to talk about green flags real quick before we wrap up as well. I think, um, look, I think it's a lot of it is just common sense, right? Like you want to be around people who, I think have the same morals and values as you is really, really important. Um, mm-hmm. and communication for me, like communication is the biggest thing. I am very extroverted. I'm a very sort of, I guess, emotional person as well. And a lot of that ties into communication and lack of communication can obviously be a red flag. Um, yeah. but I think if you're a really good communicator, that's a huge green flag for me. And, um, yeah, is is a, big non-negotiable when it comes to friendships. What about you?
0: Very, very similar in that vein as well. And like open and honest communication. And even though I admitted like, you know, earlier in the podcast, that that's probably can be a bit of a flaw of mine. Um, Mm. I definitely agree with you. And I really liked what you said about um, like friendships for convenience. I know exactly what you mean. And I've had those sorts of friendships before and they're frustrating and they're irksome. And you're like, is this built on anything else aside from the fact that, like, you message me when you need me?
2: Yeah. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, but moving swiftly on, the other big green flag for me is um, if you communicate a boundary or you communicate an expectation that that person respects it. Mm,
2: that's know? a good one. And yeah.
0: I think, you know, to the point today, for example, like I messaged you this morning and I said, Hey, I'm running around all day today. I've got a big morning big afternoon, got someone dropping off their dog, um, so that I can look after their dog while they're away. I'm not going to have much time to chat today. And you didn't message me.
2: Yeah. And I wasn't mad because you told me. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, like, yeah, it goes hand in hand. Good communication. You, you communicated, I respected your boundary. Yeah. Happy days. But you still sent me reels and shit like that. That doesn't take any emotional or mental capacity. It's no, like- it doesn't. Yeah. No. Especially when it's a mis- like
0: a whale shitting itself. But.
2: Um- <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear.
0: Oh, God. It's usually just star sign stuff. I'm a tourist. She's a Leo. FYI.
2: I think this is um, a, like where this conversation is just headed to me signals. We need to wrap this up because it's going to like whale shitting itself territory. <laughs> sus guys
0: <laughs> it's its own like tangent territory <laughs> oh gosh all right well we might leave it there for the week guys thanks for tuning in as always hopefully we'll be back to uh regular programming i know that both of us have a bit of travel coming up but we'll try to be giving you the content that you love deserve and definitely require in your lives as frequently as we possibly can
2: we love you bye bye